us pray. Gracious God, for all these things that we place at your feet today and on the cross, may you hear our pleas. We're only human, but you care about us so much. May each one of these things have the strength of you behind them. May we turn to you to accomplish them, knowing we can't do it on our own, that only you can do it. And we ask. So, Lord, we ask now, in Jesus Christ's name, the people of God said together, Amen. Invite our kids to head to the back. You're not ready for that yet. That's after the sermon. Yeah. Invite our kids to head to the back for kids' worship. My biggest challenge hitting my head every time I come up here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we center our hearts to receive God's word this morning. Gracious God, speak to us, challenge us, convict us, and guide us in this word from Deuteronomy, a place that we don't often look. Where is God's generous heart? How is God's generous heart shown here? How can we have God's generous heart? Lord, speak to us this morning through the power of your word. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask for the Holy Spirit to be upon us now. And the people of God said together, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is a season of 40 days, not counting Sundays, which begins on Ash Wednesday and ends on Holy Saturday. Sundays during Lent, as they always are, are many Easter's. Lent comes from the Anglo-Saxon word Lenten, which means spring. Who wants spring to arrive? Anybody want spring to arrive? You see a lot of that. Well, you're one hour closer to spring arriving, so you're good to go. The season is a preparation for the celebration of Easter. Historically, Lent began a period of fasting and preparation for baptism by converts and then became a time for penance by all Christians. We actually, I'm going to throw them a, throw them a curveball, but we actually celebrated Fat Tuesday, Fat, Shrove, Pancake, Marty, Graw are all the same thing. Tuesday, in which you get rid of all the things you're not supposed to eat during the fasting time and the Lenten season, which happen to be all the things that are in pancakes. And then on Ash Wednesday, we celebrated right here as we began the journey together. And so now we find ourselves at a border with the ancient Israelites in our reading in Deuteronomy. And I welcome you to follow along with your YouVersion Bible event and to see all the notes and the scriptures there. If you go to YouVersion, go to the little three dots called a hamburger and you'll see events. 
And they'll pick you right up because you're sitting right here where it wants you to be. And so we're standing on the edge of the wilderness with them, looking with great anticipation toward the promised land. Imagine if you were standing there. Just in front of you is the Jordan River Valley where Jesus' cousin John will baptize him centuries later. And God will name him and every child of God as beloved. And this river marks the boundary and the entrance into a land that's flowing with God's promise and God's presence. It's a sight for sore and weary eyes that the Israelites have had for 40 years waiting for this moment to happen. And even as we begin our journey into the wilderness of Lent, where our parched souls are dry and weary, we're reminded that we're not asked to wander these 40 days like the Israelites did. Our journey's not aimless. We have a destination. We know where we're going. We know when we will arrive. Our promised land lies in rising with Christ. As we arrive on Easter, we know that day is ahead. Deuteronomy 26 contains many significant themes that we normally connect with the season of Lent. Wilderness and journey and difficulty and sacrifice and memory, name a few. Which one of these themes resonates with you the most at this time in your life as you begin your Lenten journey in the wilderness? Is it wilderness? Is it journey? Is it sacrifice? Is it repentance, which simply means to turn around? Or is it to remember? And you see, the Israelites are getting these last-minute instructions before they leave the wilderness for the last time. That's what's happening here. And we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 26. It says, When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it, and you settle it, when you've done these things, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for His name. Your first fruits, that's where we get those pieces, your first fruit offering, your first fruit should go to God in your life, no matter what they are. And you shall go to the priest who is in the office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land of the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the God, Lord your God, they make this kind of response. This is the exact response they're supposed to say. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. A wandering Aramean. 
which calls to our mind that at some point, at some time, we've all been hungry, rootless wanderers in our life. Dependent upon one another and God for comfort and care, for our very survival. Perhaps not happened in our lifetimes, but in the lifetimes of those who have come before us. But their story is our story. We somehow think that our story just starts with us, but our story has been long before us through our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and all the way back. You're here because of somebody else. All the way back for centuries. It's why genealogy is so popular nowadays to find out who I am. Where did I come from? Because our story is much, much larger Like our Christian story is much, much larger. Their call is our call. You might find something from their story that you find in your story. We like movies like that, that that show generations and how the story continues. And who is being suggested as the wandering Aramean is Jacob, the father of the Israelites. That's who the wandering Aramean is. Genesis 29-32 through chapters. Wandering is a part of our journey. It's a part of our Lenten journey. The season of Lent reminds us that through times of scarcity and wandering, that God meets us where we are. Amen? Even when we're wandering. Even when things are scarce. And we're struggling. God meets us where we are. And it is in the wandering that we see God's generous heart The most. Because God's nature is love. God seeks us out to be in abundant relationship with Him. Not just a simple relationship, but an abundant one. One that's overflowing more than we could ever know and understand. That grace, grace doesn't have bounds to it. It's bigger than anything we can imagine. And desires that we reflect God's generous love to the world. Verse 6, when the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried it to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. With a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. We need to remember that as we explore the wilderness inside our own hearts, we will need God's mighty hand and outstretched arm. We need God's power to be able to help us through what we're going through. To lift us up. To carry us. And we don't feel like we can go on any longer. We'll need to be reminded again, over and again, who we are and whom we belong During these 40 days, we'll need to rehearse the story of our faith, find our groundedness in returning to the very heart of God, to remember the stories of our journey as Christians. In verse 9, And He brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land that flowed with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that You, O Lord, have given me. 
You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. This is all the part of what they say to the priest until this very end part. And what are they doing? They're retelling the story. They're remembering the story. And the more that they say it, the more they can remember it. Because they're asking to be repeat over and over again as they bring their first fruits to the priest to be consecrated. A wandering Arabian was my ancestor. The story begins way before they ever were a part of it. It's a reminder that even when they have inhabited the land for a long time and they come to the temple with their arms laden with the fruit of their harvest, they'll never forget to whom the land truly belongs. They'll never forget who the person really is who's in charge and the story of how they came to be. It's a story that grounds them in a tale of survival and struggle even when perhaps, especially when they begin to get comfortable and when they are tempted to forget that it is God from whom all blessings flow. Amen? It's a doxology to remind us. Nowadays, most like most of the hymns and contemporary services, all that's gone. We don't do those things anymore in these kind of services. There's no place for them in the same way. Heck, in most temporary service, they don't have an offering anymore. They have a basket in the back and you just put your stuff in it. There's nothing else to it besides that. It's the remembering. It's easy for us to do that as well. We can forget. We forget where we came from. We forget this, these moments or this moment or series of moments when we came to know Christ, when we really needed to know Christ in our life, when we finally made that decision, whether we were young or we were older or whatever. We forget. We forget what it means. To follow Christ. It all becomes part of the routine. The stuff that I just do. On Sundays I go and do this. On Wednesdays I go and do this. On this day I go and do this. We forget how powerful it was. How important it was to us. How life changing that it was. These were people who were shaped by the memory of being nomadic. And rootless even as generation upon generation put down roots and settled in the land. But the rehearsed story wove them together in the fabric of the past so they would remember what had happened and how they got here. The work of remembering the past calls for present action. I finally watched, I'm sure many of you already had watched it, but I finally got to it. I finally watched Black Panther, the Marvel movie. And in the African tradition, it is so much about your ancestors and your past that informs your present and leads to your future. And I'm always reminded by that whenever I, whenever I witness that sociology of most of the African tribes of understanding of that our ancestors are as important as the present. For them, it was the same way. Then it says in verse 11, Then you together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you shall celebrate with all the bounty the Lord your God has given to you and your house. The Deuteronomy text ends with a feast. A big feast. 
where those who cannot or do not own the land will feast with those who do. The priests, the immigrants. And if you extend the readings a few more verses, the widows and the orphans are included as well. They are the marginalized, the least and the lost and the last. This is a journey that ends up in all being fed. That's how the scripture ends. This is the promised land where we find generosity and in the inclusion of all, including the alien who's not even a Jew, and God's deliverance of the Israelites. It's also found in one of the other texts for this day, Romans ten, twelve through thirteen. In which in Romans Paul talks about the elimination of the Jew and Gentile distinction. And inviting all into the family of God. And that God's grace is open to all. Amen. These are the words that are spoken in Deuteronomy so long ago that are repeated in a different way later on. And we find that, God, in, that God's generosity to all people provides a pattern for us of how we're supposed to show God's generous heart in our own heart. It calls us to look what we give, what we spend, about how we use our time. How are we generous with all of these things to the people in the community around us? Are we generous with these things? Are we generous with our time? Do we give it to others or do we carefully guard it so that it becomes just ours? It's our time. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Or do we give God our time so that God can use it in the ways that God wants to use it? When we remember, powerful things happen. Our hearts as well as our tables become more open. We become more generous. We recognize the abundance of gifts we've been given and that we're meant to be shared. The more you give, the more you want to give in every area of your life. Whether you're serving somebody and you, and you have that experience and you want to do it more. Whether you give financially to something, to a cause, to the church, to a person, to whatever, and you see the change it makes in somebody's life, you want to do it more. When you see your prayers make a difference, you want to do it more. When you're in your small group with other people and you see lives being changed or you walk away from that feeling good because you feel like something changed about you, like, wow, I really needed that this week. I needed somebody else to come alongside of me. I couldn't do it by myself. You want more of it. And suddenly our hearts and tables begin to look more like God's heart and Christ's table. When we serve communion and we talk about the fact that it is Christ who invites to this table, not I or the United Methodist Church. Because the table is open to all. Everyone is welcome at God's table. Everyone is welcome in God's heart. This is heaven come to earth. Is remembrance with an empathic purpose. When we are able to recall our own vulnerability, our own desert wanderings, our own low times in our life, nights of the dark soul, then we're more likely to include those in the margins who don't know joy. Because we know what it means to not know joy in our life. We know what it means to hurt for those who don't know compassion, 
then we still offer compassion because we feel that they're going through something, that everyone is battling something. And for those who know far too little of kindness in their lives, we want to extend kindness, even if it's not returned. It's not required for kindness to be returned to extend it. It comes out of God's generous heart, not our own. It's about being in the wilderness. And which of these five or another really speak to you about where your heart is at, where your journey is right now? Any of these themes would be fertile ground to begin our way into the generous heart of God in this first Sunday in Lent. Perhaps one of these speaks more loudly to you than another, but it seems, however, the commandment that resides at the heart of all of these themes is the call to remember. The Greek word for this powerful action is anethis, literally to call to mind. Our story as a people of God is firmly rooted in the call to do and the call to remember. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next 40 days. Remembering Jesus' journey from His being led in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit where for 40 days He was tempted by the devil, which is the text usually on the first Sunday in Lent. Think about that. Wilderness. 40 days. See the parallels here? The journey of the Israelites. And he ate nine days. And when they were over, he was famished. All before this, before he began his ministry and called his traveling companions, he needed a place of wilderness. He needed to remember who he was and whose he was. That's why he was tempted. And all the way to the empty tomb at the end of our journey. And how does knowing there is an empty tomb at the end of the journey shape our journey? A lot of ways. Some of us began this journey on Ash Wednesday and heard the words, Remember from dust you came and to dust you shall return. Remember. Today you can do that as well. These ashes challenge us to be fully human. Through our Lenten journey begins in ashes, we must remember that it doesn't end there. We must take this season to return to the heart of the Holy One who formed us from the dust. The prophet Joel calls out across the millennial in Joel 2, 12-13, which is our key verse for all of these weeks leading up to Easter. It says, Even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Rend your hearts means to break them open. To break them open is to let God be able to really work on the deepest part of us. You know, that part you don't want anybody else to see, but God sees, but we pretend that God doesn't see place where God can do the most. And the prophet Joel calls out those words. These walls that you've built around your hearts to keep them safe and comfortable, they shut me out. Let me in. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Turn around. Come closer. Come home, says God. 
confessing our brokenness and weeping and mourning and seeking to renew our experience and trust in God who is ever gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Through spirit disciplines, fasting, prayer, through devotional acts, through gathering together in small groups. There's no better time than right now to, to really focus in on that, to be a part of a small group. You can talk to Shelley McBurney more about those things. She can help you find a group. There is a group for everyone, and everyone needs to be in a group. We all need a tribe, someone said the other day when we were in staff. We all need a tribe, and this is not the only tribe. You can't do a lot in this tribe, but you can do in a smaller way with others gathered around you. We need to be growing in our discipleship and finding ourselves renewed in our experience of the breathtaking, liberating, and energizing love of God. Because Lent is not a solitary journey, but one we must take together as a community. And as we journey together throughout this Lent focused around returning to the heart of God, I see you sound like a trail of breadcrumbs that are moving us closer and closer to the resurrection that leads us to the wholehearted resurrected lives we want on Easter. And fed and nourished in this way, we can endure the wilderness, and yet we anticipate the garden of new life. And as we embark this Lent, let us remember, let us wander let God's generous heart beat within us as we search together for justice and joy and to return to God with all our hearts. That's what God really wants from us. Just return to me. Don't wait until you get it all fixed, until you understand it all, until it all makes sense. Come back to me now so I can help you to walk through the journey of wandering in wilderness. So I can help you to be able to do all of these things that you want to do. We closed off Ash Wednesday service with this quote that I had found that said, Let today be the day you give up who you've been for who you can become. Let today be the day you give up who you've been for who you can become. And you can become whoever it is that God called you to be. You can't do it on your own. But you can do it with God and with the help of others gathered around you because sometimes we find the most courage when we're gathered together to be able to tackle the things that life has within us. It's a simple thing. It's obviously much more effective in the middle of the night on Ash Wednesday. But I don't believe that it loses its power just because there's a little more light outside. All of these things that you put up here are all things that Jesus came to die for because they're a part of who you and I are. When we died on that cross, the amazing thing is those things were burned up 
destroyed. They're no longer a part of who we are. They're still within us. But Jesus took them up a long time ago. We just haven't given them up yet. So I invite you that as magical as that may seem to see flash paper go up, which is a human creation, that the power of God is much more magical beyond anything we could possibly imagine on this earth to free us from our sins and to help us be all that God created us to be. And so I want to invite you that on the other part of your insert this morning is the invitation to ashes. And I want to invite you to join with me in this invitation of the ashes. We invite you to begin our journey to Easter with the sign of ashes. This ancient sign speaks of the frailty and uncertainty of human life. It calls us to heartfelt repentance, urges us to place our hope in God alone, and identifies our commitment to the journey. Let us pray. So I invite you that if you came on Wednesday night at the Asher, not like baptism or anything, you can certainly have more ash on your forehead. To remember this, these are the ashes from last Palm Sunday, which we celebrated the loud hosannas as Jesus came into town to be crowned a king and would die on a cross as a savior. And so the ashes remind us of our mortality. I also encourage you that we're going to do this by the same way we usually do it on Wednesday, by coming up and you can kneel at these rails. And if you've already done it and you don't want to do it again, then that's fine too. Just come up here and just keep your head down and be in prayer. And I'll just pass by you. But everybody can do it again, like I said. And I don't know that too much ash on our foreheads can really cause any kind of big problem whatsoever. I do this because there are so many who cannot be a part of it. Even though we had over 100 on Ash Wednesday, which was a great crowd, there are still some who would love to be a part of it, but could never make it because of work or whatever else might be going on. And so I want to encourage you in a moment to be able to come up and to receive the imposition of the ashes or just to come up and pray. Think about the thing that you put on this cross and what, how you want God to help you. So I invite you to come up and if every section just comes up and fills the rail, then... Uh, we will come and be able to do that and be able to um, come and receive this opportunity to do that. So I invite you to come now as you feel led to come to pray or to receive ash.